All right, well, let's stand on our feet. I'm going to read a couple verses from Matthew 5. Happy New Year, River House. Happy New Year to the rest of you who don't associate with River House, apparently. Okay. All right, we're starting off real sprite this year. Happy New Year, River House. Yeah. You know, the scriptures say we, we go from glory to glory. That's not just a cliche, but we serve a God who is progressively revealing himself in time, which means that this year is a year further up, further in to the goodness and the glory of who God is. So it's not just a happy year, new year, woohoo, it is another year that we get to serve God and chase after him together and see his goodness in the land of the living. Amen. Amen. All right, here's the verses. This is Matthew 5. I'm going to read the Beatitudes. This is Jesus speaking. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's the word of the Lord. All right, you can be seated. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, Jesus, that as we sing, you respond. That as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And that you speak. You're not a God who's silent, but you're a God who speaks. And we just create space right now in our hearts, God, in our minds. In the inward places, we create space for you to speak. We're not in a hurry. God, I'm not in a hurry. We just want to create space, God, within us for you to occupy and fill and move and inspire and speak, God, so speak. Just ask him, just, just ask him to speak to you. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is speaking to this church. And just mold us tonight, God, into that beautiful, glorious image of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a joy to be with you, as always. It's been a minute since I've been up here, and I'm very grateful for any time I get to stand before this church and share the Word of God. I have been on this topic of the kingdom of God, and I, I really do believe that Jesus is working to reveal his kingdom to us as a community, that we would really get eyes to see it. 
And I think that we're on to something and that we really are pioneering with God uh, as to what it means to be a people who live in the kingdom of God right now in 2022 in the United States of America. I, I just, I believe it. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced of it as I read the scriptures. I'm convinced of it as I, as I ponder and recall the things that God has spoken over the last five and a half years in this community. I'm convinced that we are, we're pressing into something. And uh, I, I do believe that this year is just a year where we're going to, uh, we're going to get it. You know when you just kind of get things sometimes? I just long for myself and for all of us to really get it when it comes to the kingdom. That we would wake up in the morning and just get it. That we would see what Jesus would see if he was living in our bodies. And we would all of a sudden be consumed with a different perspective than what we'd been living with. And that we would see life from his perspective. And we would see that everything about our life is purposeful. That we are exactly who we were supposed to be. That we were not an accident, but we were a sovereign miracle that was shaped together and knitted together before we were even in our mother's womb. And we were put on planet Earth in this geography of the planet at this time for a purpose that only God could know. Like, like there's something that's so catalytic that takes place, I think, when we step into this kingdom reality and recognize that I am God's idea. That my life is not my own, but I have been grafted into this story that's been unfolding for age after age, century after century, family after family, that we're a part of this thing. We're, we're, we're beaten on the door of something, and it's going to break. And we're going to step into this reality that is the kingdom of God that Jesus shed his blood for. He didn't come and preach the gospel of salvation that you can get to heaven one day. He came and preached the gospel of the kingdom of God and said, change the way you think. Change the way that you think about your whole existence because God's reality is here and you can be a part of this reality. And then he lived that reality and we're still here talking about that reality. And he said, come and join me. Come and, come and join this reality that is unfolding, and it's a higher reality than every other reality on this planet. All the dark realities, all the painful realities, all the, the lesser realities, they all will bow to this reality because this reality is God. This is the one who formed all of creation. This is the one who actually knows what life is all about. I'm just convinced that this is what Jesus has been all about from the beginning. And I'm convinced we will see it with our own eyes. We will see his goodness in the land of the living. We will discover his kingdom. Those who search for me and seek for me with all their heart will find me, declares the Lord. I will be found by you. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to pursue it, to seek it out. God is not hiding from us. He is hiding for us. The kingdom is not hidden from us. It is hidden for us. And those who will search for it like a treasure will find it. And when you find it, there will be a joy that nothing on this earth can take from you. Because you will have found the pearl of great price. You will have found the treasure in the field. We're going to find it. We're going to find it. We're not just on a merry-go-round at church coming Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to sing the same songs and do the same things. We are on a pursuit of the face of God. We are on a journey. We are on a, 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 an epic journey, really, right into the heart of Jesus. And when we find him, we have found everything.
That is the yearning of my heart. I think it's the yearning of your heart. That's why you're here. If you didn't know that, now you know why you're here. <laughs> Praise be to God. Whew. I had a sermon planned, and there was no grace on it. <laughs> I, was, I was preaching it to my wife in my kitchen, and I was like, "Hun, this sucks. <laughs> Just being honest. So... I feel like I'm supposed to stay on the same topic, but uh, I'm to be meek as I preach on meekness tonight. Uh, I want to talk about this third beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, meekness, all right, even before I, I actually jump into meekness, again, I just want to lay this foundation of what these beatitudes are. Uh, these are Jesus saying, this is what reality is like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is ground zero of the kingdom. If you can make these beatitudes, if they have skin in your life, if they become incarnational, if you actually live these realities, you will walk into the kingdom. You'll live in the kingdom. And then Jesus is also saying, because Jesus is the kingdom, he's saying, this is what I'm like. If you were to pull back the hood of my life and look into the inner reaches of what Jesus is actually like, this is it. He's meek, he mourns, he's poor, he's hungry, he's merciful, he's pure, he's persecuted. Jesus is saying, this is what I am like. This is the kingdom, this is me. Come and enter into this reality. If these can become incarnational in our lives, if they have skin on it, if they actually show up in the way that we live our life 24-7, we know that we're in the kingdom. And that word blessed is that we live with a conviction that God is deeply pleased and he favors us. He loves the way that we spend our time. He, he delights in the life that we are living. Blessed are you. And so here we go. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is such a strange statement. Anybody ever thought that before? I was watching football years ago, and I think it was like Vanguard was beating some team in the SEC that was really good. And it was like, blessed are the geeks, for they shall inherit the earth. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, you know, Vanguard's like the smartest school in the SEC. I don't think that's what it's talking about here. But blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. All right? Meekness is the condition of a heart that is completely yielded without resistance to the leadership or the influence or the desires or the will of another person. So the, the, the shorthand for meekness is it's a heart that is, can be perfectly led. It's, it's like you're, you're, you're the most leadable, influential per, per person in the world. You know how like I played basketball growing up and there's just certain people that are the most coachable, teachable, like people, you know what I'm talking about? This is meekness. Meekness is like you, there is zero resistance to being led in your life. You're, you're, you're completely void of ego. When I think of meekness, I think of this story. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi is one of my favorite people in the, in the history of the church. His first disciple was a man who's now known as St. Bernard. He was a rich man, and he sold everything and started following Francis. And uh, I, this, is, this is a picture, I think, of... of Meekness. There was a time where Francis said, I, I feel you're supposed to go to the city in France to, to, to start a, a convent there, like a church. 
And he goes there, he endures a bunch of persecution, and then uh, he ends up winning, starts winning converts in this city. Uh, this doctor comes from the city, gives, buys him land, builds the church, the ministry's flourishing. This Bernard is becoming renowned in this whole region because of the work of God that is being accomplished through him. And he reached this point where he all of a sudden felt, my job has been done, I, had, I have done what Francis has commissioned me to do. And he literally left the convent, went back to Italy, knelt at the feet of Francis and said, Father, I'm done. Send other people to run the work. I'm waiting for you to tell me what to do next. <laughs> I was like, man, meekness. That's radical. You know, that'd be like, you know, you go and you become the man somewhere. You're the pioneering CEO, and then your act once you do that is to go back to your mentor and give it all away and submit at his feet. Like, meekness. No resistance to being led. It's beautiful. It's also kind of confronting because it is not the way of the Western world. We, we live and drink and swim uh, in, in the water of independence and really pride in this nation. We love the, the, the story of the self-made man or the self-made woman. Anybody? You'll notice that uh, people... Uh, even people that came from a lot of wealth or privilege, they'll often spin their stories to make it sound like they came from nothing because there's something about that I came from myself that kind of feeds into the American dream that we culturally praise quite a bit. And yet Jesus stands and says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those that are just so void of ego. They just, there's just nothing left to offend. There's nothing left to step on. You're just perfectly influenceable. You will inherit the earth. Something about meekness, when that ego gets ridded out of our hearts, we become the most attractive of people on the planet. It's like God can't help but favor us when he sees meekness. It's like, it's like we inherit the earth. What is the earth? Is it wealth? Is it people? Is it influence? I'm sure it's all these things and more. It's, it's the earth. You inherit the earth. Jesus is saying you'll inherit the earth when you just get void of ego because there's something. You become, there's this attractive pull towards meekness. Proverbs is just full of all these depictions of humility, meekness, kind of synonym, synonym terms, but you know, that before honor comes humility. And with humility, there's, there's wealth, there's wisdom. That there's something about a meek heart that is just, God is just drawn to, and it's not just God, it's also people. The only thing we know about Jesus the first 30 years of his life is that the authors and Luke go out of their way to make sure that we know that he was meek. We have a story of a 12-year-old boy. Well, first, we have a story of a, of a baby. <laughs> Jesus came as a baby. I just, I just don't think we could ever get over the incarnation. God came as a little baby who had to learn how to speak from human beings, who had to be fed by his mother, who had to be cared for and had to have his, his diapers changed. Who had to be taught how to walk. He learned his own name from his parents. The one who spoke the world into existence. So besides this, besides this, which we could spend all night on, like what kind of God is this? He's meek. He's extremely meek. He has absolutely no ego. 
Because if he did, he would want us to know he's the Alpha and the Omega when he came to earth. <laughs> Not a baby. Little baby. And then we get one other story from the first 30 years. And that's there's a 12-year-old boy who gets lost in the caravan. We can say they were terrible parents. It's actually a picture of the beauty of what community is supposed to be. There was so much trust within community, they actually weren't even worried for three days when they didn't see Jesus because the community traveled in caravan. Gosh, wouldn't that be beautiful to live in something like that? I think that's what Jesus is trying to make at church. That's just my opinion, though. But 12-year-old boy, he stays in Jerusalem, and the, the elders of Israel are marveling at the questions that he's asking. He's a learner. He, he's wanting to learn. God himself, as a 12-year-old, is wanting to learn. And then it says his parents came back and he continued in submission with them for the rest of his young adulthood, childhood. And it says that that submission then proceeds, it follows, it says, and the young boy Jesus grew, with faith, grew in favor with God and with man. You want to grow in favor with God and with man? Meekness. He's looking for this humble heart that's just void of ego. Have you ever wondered why Jesus, who is God, had to grow in favor with God? Kind of an interesting one. I don't have the full answer, but I think that Jesus was a human. He was fully human. And just as you and I want to grow in favor with God and man, Jesus grew in favor with God and man. It was meekness. It was that meekness that positioned Jesus to grow in favor. Just beautiful. All right, if we look, are the screens working? Bummer. I, I, I actually, uh, one thing that I did do, I gave them uh, 14 verses. Maybe we'll send it out in an email. But when you look at the Gospel of John, uh, more than any other Gospel, it depicts the meekness and the humanity of Jesus. It, it, it's the disclosure. It's Jesus' self-disclosure of what his relationship with the Father was like. And we get to see Jesus' own words describing meekness. And I, I went through and highlighted 14 different uh, expressions where Jesus is describing his meekness before God throughout the Gospel of John. Um, I, I'm going to read like four or five of them right now just to depict to you how uh, it, it's like Jesus in, in, the, in the Gospel of John. It's like he has this flag and he's waving it and he's like, hey, hey, don't miss what I'm trying to tell you here. I'm meek. I'm meek. Don't forget I'm meek. It's like in John, more than any other book in the Bible, it's like, hey, don't just, don't just think that I'm fully God, Jesus God. He is Jesus God. But he's like, I want you to see Jesus human. I want you to see into my humanity. I want you to see into my meekness. Right, because in the Gospel of John, there are strong affirmations of deity. There are seven I am statements. He is the bread of life. He is the good shepherd. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection. Right? He, he's, he's disclosing his divinity dis, discreetly, absolutely, so that we would see it blatantly, openly. But at the same time, 14 times throughout these 21 chapters, Jesus is also disclosing who he is as the Son of Man. A human, one like Adam, one like you and me. So John is trying to marry us into this image of an incarnational Jesus. Here's just a few of these references to meekness. I'll, I'll give you like four or five. There's 14 of them that I found just in, you know, uh, one reading through. There, there may be more. 
Uh, this, is, this is John chapter 5, 19. It says, truly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Say nothing. Nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he's doing. And the father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. This is John 5.30. I can do nothing. Say nothing. You know what nothing means? No thing. I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is true because I don't seek my own will, but I seek the will of him who sent me. This is John 8.28. I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He hasn't left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Wow, John 12, 49, I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. John 14, 10, the words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. There's 14 of these statements. 14. Do you think Jesus is trying to make a point to us? What's he trying to say? I do nothing of my own initiation. Jesus is the most powerful, influential leader who has ever walked the earth. And what is he trying to make painstakingly clear to us? I'm not the leader of my life. In fact, I'm not leading at all. I am being led. It's like he's like, meek, I'm meek, I'm meek, I swear I'm meek. I'm meek, I'm meek, I'm just meek. I'm just being led. It's not my will. It's not my initiation. It's not my own thrust. It's not my own ambition. It's not my own plans. It's not my, it's not my way. I'm meek. Sometimes I think it's like we have a veil when we look at Jesus. We see Jesus like the super spiritual God. And he absolutely was amazing. But I think what makes Jesus so amazing to me is that he's just like you and me. We've almost created the mythology of Jesus. Because we've lost the humanity of Jesus. He was just like us. Tempted like us. Had the same thoughts, feelings. The only difference, he had no sin. And then John 15. It's probably my favorite chapter in all the Bible. It's the hinge point of the whole book, in my scholarly opinion. And this is when Jesus, these these 14 references of meekness, he then turns the table and he puts it on you and me. And he says, there's a vine and there's a branch. And a branch can do no thing without the vine. 
And he's basically saying, the branch is meek toward the vine. And when the branch is meek, it's being influenced by the vine. The branch can bear much fruit, and that fruit will remain. And it will glorify the Father because that's the will of God for your life. So essentially, Jesus is saying, in the same way that the Father was the vine and I was his branch, now I'm the vine and you're my branch. So in other words, as I have been meek towards the Father and say I can do no thing without his leadership in my life, I'm now inviting you, my church, to be meek towards me, to be so influenceable that I can do whatever I want in your life. And that is the posture through which you will bear much fruit and prove yourself my disciples. Glorify the Father and leave a legacy that people will still be tasting and eating and declaring the goodness of God because of your life. If you'll become meek before me, the meek will inherit the earth. Whoa. You mean we have to be like Jesus? Yes. Jesus came to redeem humanity. And so when we read of the meekness of Jesus, the son of man, through the gospel of John, we are getting a window to gaze into what it means to be human. He's redeeming humanity. He's redeeming, he's saying, look, this is why he can say in John 14, you'll do greater works than these if you believe in me. Don't you see, guys, I've put a face on the Father, you're going to put a face on me if you'll just become meek, if you'll get rid of the ego. Yes, yes, we see. This isn't like good ideas. This isn't, this isn't idealistic. This is the gospel. Jesus came to redeem our humanity. He came to live his life so that we could follow and be in his likeness. This is such good news. But meekness is to be led without any resistance. No resistance. That's a meek heart. Just zero resistance. And the reality is that the, the, the flesh, sin, it creates resistance. And there's a lot of resistance in the church, if we're going to speak abroad. There's a lot of resistance in the church's Christians. And we know this because of the lack of fruitfulness. So if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. That's one of the, that's one of the painful realities that we have living in the United States of America right now. Is that the the church hasn't been doing a very good job. This is why our nation is turning their backs on God and wants nothing to do with the church. The church hasn't been bearing fruit. The church hasn't been meek. I'm not putting blame on anybody. I'm just saying that there is a, a redemption that God needs to bring to the bride of Christ in this nation. That there, there's, there's a vitality of what it means to be a Christian that needs to be pulled out of the muck and cleaned off. There is a purity that needs to be restored. It's meekness. The meek will inherit the earth. 
The meek will inherit the nations. The meek will inherit the lost and the broken in this, this nation, in this land. The meek will inherit their city. The meek here in Boise, Idaho will inherit our city. We will inherit it. When God sees meekness, it's like he gives us favor with God and with man. God is just, it's like heaven is just attracted to meekness because think about it. If you are God and you're sitting in heaven and you have everything that you need to accomplish your plan on the earth, it's not like God's up there trying to figure out what to do. It's been done. It's already finished. He, he wrote the story. He's just looking for active participants on earth, but he can only actively participate with those that he can lead. It's like, God's like, I'm just looking for people that I can lead. I'm just looking for people that will put aside their will so that I can live my will through them. I'm looking for people that are teachable. I'm looking for people that I can influence, that I can reprove, that I can correct, that I can edify, that I can make holy. People that will obey me, people that will say yes to me. That's just what, that's what he's looking for. He's not looking for special, amazing people. He's just looking for yes people. He's looking for people with meekness, with purity, that are just void of all this junk and pride and self and fear and insecurity. He's looking for a holy, meek bride. Whether it looks like it or not on the outside, if you were to walk and sit down and have coffee with anybody that God is using in, a, in an extraordinarily fruitful way, what you would see as you pull back the hood of their lives is an ordinary person that has given a bunch of ordinary yeses to God again and again and again. You would find meekness. You would just find meekness. When I was 18 years old, I started, I was in a, I was in a very painful time of life, and I, I started, I, I heard it on the radio one day, actually. Uh, I, I don't even remember who it was, but someone was sharing on the radio, and they were talking about some man of God. It might have been Billy Graham. I honestly don't even remember. But he said when he was a young man, he used to go and put his face into the dirt, and he would pray, God, Humble me so that I know without you, I'm nothing but the dirt. And it was like God himself spoke to me when I heard that. I don't know how to describe it, but it just pierced me. And in that season of my life, I, 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 we lived kind of near the countryside. And I would go out to the countryside to this field. And I often, when I was in a place of pain, I would get down on my knees. I'd put my face into the dirt. And I would say, God, humble me. So that I know that without you, I'm nothing but the dirt. I did not realize how eager he'd be to answer that. <laughs> I've learned wisdom since then. I now pray, God, teach me humility. <laughs> but he answered that adamantly. And sometimes where I literally thought he was cruel to me. The seeming ferocity to which he came. It was like, whoa, not so quick. And he just began, you know, like in the operating room, they have those lights that are just so bright, you can't even look at them. It was like he turned the lights on in my life and started just, 
exposing all the messes and all the pride and all the ego and all the, the arrogance and, and didn't just expose it, but he started speaking to me. And I, I didn't realize how much resistance there was in my life to the leadership of God, but he started speaking to me. And he started speaking to me things like this. Uh, when when I, was, I was either 16 or 17, I won. It, it was one of the times I won a state championship in golf, and I had a wrist injury that was nagging me um, that would kind of flare up at times, and I had to take a bunch of uh, pain medications to even be able to play. And the second day of the tournament, and it made me loopy. And so I, I won the tournament uh, by, by two shots, but I signed the wrong scorecard uh, to, to win by more, and, which means you're disqualified. And I, I realized my mistake maybe 30 minutes after I had done it. And my best friend was the one who was in second place, and, you know, he, sh- he should have won. And the Lord, you know, convicted, took me back and said, yeah, you need to repent. I was like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm forgiven, right? I already forgave. I, I confessed my sin before, and the Lord said, no, you need to go back, and you need to repent. You need, you need to tell them what you do. You need to, you need to clean up. You make your mess right. It took me a year to get the courage to do that. I was scared to death. Scared to death. What are people going to say? What are gonna, people going to think? What is he going to say? What is he going to think? And I obeyed him. I did it wept my eyes out. Most humiliating thing I've ever done in my life. You know, I was a coward. I was a fool. You know, I took it. I'm sorry. I, I had cheated in some of my uh, upper division classes that I got college credit in the end of my high school years. This is, I was probably, you know, two years out of high school. The Lord said, you need to go back. You need to, you need to repent to your teacher. You took advantage of her. Da, 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 da. You need to tell everything that you did. And I was like, oh, 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 no, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 I don't want to lose that. Cre- I don't know what would happen. Like, is there legal proceedings for this, God? Like, and I was like, no, 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 I think I'm just being hard on myself. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just being way too hard on myself. You're not that holy. And uh, so I literally just kind of decided not to do it. And then I was home like three weeks later getting running shoes in downtown Boise. And I heard my voice behind me, Jordan. Turned around, I was like, my teacher. <laughs> Holy Spirit was like, you're going to obey me now or not? What did I do? Walked out of the store, got in my car, was like, uh-oh. And the Lord was like, all right, now you got to sit in it. And I sat for three days till Eagle High School opened back up for the second semester, writhing in, like, the fact that I had not, I'd just been in disobedience. And it was like, he just made it this horrible. I had to walk the walk of shame all the way down, pull her aside, this is what I did. You know, humiliating humiliating. Um, those are honestly on the low degree of some of the, the things that the Lord continued to start speaking to me. And, and it was like he left no stone unturned in my life. He said, you want to learn meekness, you need to listen to me. You need to obey me. And he just discipled me again and again and again. Obey me, obey me, obey me, obey me. And I didn't realize it at the time but what I see now is I, I had this woman. She came and gave me a word in the middle of this season, uh, maybe early on. And it, the, the word, it was the first time I'd ever really received what I would say it was a prophetic word. I didn't even have language to say it was a prophetic word, but I knew it was from God. And it said the consequences of the decisions that you're making in your life are going to be fruitfulness that you can't imagine right now. And I took that like it was a promise from God. I mean, that, it is a promise from God. 
And I, I can look back in my life now, and what I didn't realize is that me obeying the tough yeses, the, the going back and the cleaning up my messes, the making things right, the going and telling on myself, confessing my sin to people like the scriptures say, it was me saying yes to those that also then started creating the space in my heart where God started giving me the good things. The, the, I want you to go here. I want you to do this. I'm going to open doors. He started creating space. I didn't realize that it was one and the same thing. It's like the same muscle was getting exercised. And if I was saying yes to the tough yeses, I'd also be saying yes to the good yeses. Because what I've realized that most of the blessings of God are behind a yes that doesn't always make sense in the moment. Obedience does not usually feel good, but it always creates good. Obedience doesn't always like look like this amazing thing. You say yes to this, but what you find is if you just start obeying God, all of a sudden it puts you into places and you start seeing things that you never could have imagined would have happened in your life. And you kind of take stock of your surroundings and you say, I have no idea how this much fruitfulness is following me, God. I have no concept for it, but I trace it all back to me starting to say yes to God just giving me little commands of how to start cleaning up my messes in my life. See, a lot of us, we want to bear great fruit, but we don't have the meekness to say yes to even go clean up our mess. You know, when, when, I, 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 when I started in ministry, I was making no money. I had a bunch of student debt, and it was just kind of this situation where I was like, Lord, I don't even know. Like, I, I, I could have had jobs making, like, six times what I'm making right now, Lord, easily. And I'm sitting here in this place, and I'm like, okay, well, I want my debt to be paid off. And the Lord started, this is how he discipled me into paying off my debt. He started having me just give a bunch of money away. And I made nothing, nothing. The biggest check, still to this day, the biggest check I think I ever made speaking at a speaking engagement, the Lord said, give the whole thing away. And now I look at my life and I literally could not tell you how God has financially blessed and has given more than what I could have ever even imagined and paid off debts and wiped off things. But I trace it back to me just saying, yes, I'm going to obey you doing things that make no sense to me, right? God is not looking for a bunch of brilliant people that know how to do it all themselves. He's looking for obedient people that will say yes, because it's obedience that actually trains us in wisdom. It trains us in meekness. It, it, it changes the inner part of our heart so that now where we didn't have space for God to land with his influence, we suddenly have space, you know, I don't look back and say, oh, all these things like, wow, I, you know, God says, give all this money away. Then it's like, and then six days later, three times the amount came in my bank account. No, no, no. That's not why we obey. We obey God because it's changing a work inside of us. It's making us meek. It's ridding us of ego. Read Proverbs. The one who, if you want wisdom, you listen to reproof, you listen to correction, you seek out counsel, you, are, you, are, you, you correct a wise man and he'll become wiser. You instruct them and they will increase in knowledge. God is looking for meekness. He's looking for people that will just say yes, like get over yourself and just say yes. Our logic gets in the way sometimes. We resist if you have resistance when God asks you to do things, you need to ask yourself, what is resisting his voice? It cannot be holy. I just want to confess openly before you. I love the will of God. I long for his will. 
I love his no's. I love his yeses. It's like something in me died years ago. It's like I cannot resist you. I, I cannot resist you. I, I, I love it when he speaks to me. I love hard words. I love inspiring words. I, I just love the joy of my life is when I know I've heard from God so that I can obey that. I, I, I feel like the most favored person on earth when God speaks to me and shows me what his will is. And that, that did not just happen. There is no microwave for meekness. Thunk. 30 seconds later, you're submitted. Meekness is developed over time as you make meekness incarnational and you obey. Right? It's one thing to say, oh, I love the will of God. I seek him daily and I just want to be led by the Spirit. But if his voice kind of always sounds like your voice and you never do things that you wouldn't do, otherwise you're probably not being led by God. If there's no disturbance in your life, you're not being led. A good leader is changing the people he's leading. Right, even if like, if I was a coach and I had a basketball team that had won the championship for three years, I'm not like, hey guys, just keep doing what you're doing and you'll keep winning. No, like my job as the coach would be, I'm gonna make you better. I'm gonna call you higher. You see what I'm saying? Leadership is like supposed to rub us. It's like it's supposed to like challenge us, step on our toes sometimes. It should be changing us. But we don't like being led. Everyone in America wants to be their own leader. But blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. Meekness will actually position you to receive all of life as a blessing, not a possession. Meekness will save you from trying to become a king of your domain. And it will actually liberate you to be a steward who enjoys the beauty of what life is. Grace cannot be purchased. It has to be received. It has to be inherited. And meekness positions you. It's like it opens your heart wide to just receive grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And obedience changes you. When you put skin in the game and you start saying yes, and you start obeying those convictions that take place inside your heart, it changes you. And every time you obey God, you will love God more because this is what the love of God is. You obey his commands. The more you obey him, the more you will grow to love him. And the more you grow to love him, the more you will actually become meek. Because meekness is not the fruit of your willpower. It's the fruit of love. And obedience comes from the will. But meekness is a deeper thing. It is a bond of love between a beloved son or a beloved daughter and a perfect father. That's what meekness is. If I could just give you a picture of meekness, it is John leaning upon Jesus' chest. 
That's the bond. That's what meekness feels like. That's what it sounds like. That's what it looks like. It is a heart that just relinquishes into a deep trusting bond with a perfect father. And I love the picture of John on Jesus because it's Jesus, God, and Jesus, man in that moment. And I believe that meekness before God looks like meekness before man. That being teachable before God means you're teachable before community. It's both. The first time I ever got deliverance in my life, it was this lie. This was the self-righteous pride. It it was a five-year journey of breaking free from this. I don't need anybody but God. That is from the pit of hell. God has designed us with needs to be met and the ability to meet needs in interpersonal relationships. It's actually what we're searching for when we say I'm looking for my purpose or my destiny in this life. Where have I been equipped by God to meet other people's needs? Right, And I can't just go and meet other people's needs if other people don't have the opportunity to meet my needs. If there's no meekness in my heart, then I won't have the space for you, for any of you. My meekness before God means that I need you. I need your love. I need your correction. I need your inspiration. I need your encouragement. I need you and you need me. God is a father, and there are certain things that only he can do. Father to son, father to daughter, but he's also, because he's a father, he loves using the family. This is why he sends Gabriel to speak to Mary. He could do it himself, but Gabriel was created by God as a messenger. God said, I'm going to use you to be a messenger. This is why he uses prophets. God could do it himself, but he'd rather use prophets because he made prophets to be his messengers. This is why I used a boy with fish and loaves. Right? Meekness before God. It's meekness before people, and meekness before people is meekness before God. We have to get rid of all this ego that keeps us from receiving. It just, it just gets in the way. Just, I want to be like Bernard, you know, just right back at the feet of Francis. What do I do now? I've had to renew my thinking on John 15 in the last month as I've been reading it. I've probably read this, I don't know how many thousands of times. I love this chapter. For some reason, I've always thought of the branch kind of like, all right, how do I stick this thing into that vine? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, all right, if this is how I'm going to bear fruit, I'm like, how do I stick this thing in there? And the Lord, I just... He had to renew my mind in this picture of, like, how does a branch grow? And it's not, it doesn't, doesn't stick into the vine. It actually emerges forth from within the vine. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. But that time is beautiful. And that time is the process, it's the space through which trust can grow. So, my obedience before God comes from my will, and that obedience of my will then positions my heart to actually come into union with God and trust God and bond with Him. 
right? And you just, you just grow that muscle. And it's like as we continue to practice obedience and obeying his commands, we grow in love. And as we grow in love, we become meek because meek is that heart that's just united with the Father. And as that grows, it just keeps growing and we keep living into it and it keeps growing. And I think that the litmus test of meekness in your life is that you are self-confident and teachable at the same time. You are confident of your convictions, but you're also willing to learn something new. You are flexible, but you're not relativistic. You're convinced, but you're not rigid. You're confident, but you're teachable. And that only comes from a life of union with God. You cannot conjure that through your own willpower. Humility is a miracle of grace that God changes you from the inside out as you fall more and more in love with who he really is. And as we do this, we learn more and more of who he is as a father. I'm just going to close with this. I've been, I was on a walk a few weeks ago with the Lord, and I was processing my emotions and how I've been feeling with Riverhouse with him, just candidly. And I said, Lord, I think the way that I feel is like, it's like Riverhouse is my child, right? Because I have the, the, the beauty and, and the joy that none of you have. Like, the, the, this is all of ours now. But I was the first one he talked to River, to about, about Riverhouse. You know, it's like I, I know where I was. I know what day it was when he spoke to me, when he showed me her, when he showed me this community. And it's like I got to carry this in secret for a long time. And then slowly over time, you know, this has, like, come forth. And I said, but I said, Lord, how I'm feeling now is it's like this this little girl's growing up and now she's got to go to school and there's all these other people that are influencing her now. And I was like, and I think she likes some of those people more than me right now. <laughs> and I was like, and frankly, this isn't fair. She's mine. <laughs> and, and, and as I, I've been pondering that, because it was like so true to what I think, and it was like, wow. And the Lord just started this beautiful conversation with me. Of, I, I feel like this, this role has been preparing me for fatherhood in such a way. And, and, and he started speaking to me. He said, Jordan, he said, your voice will always be a distinct voice within this community. He's like, but it is true. Like, your role is, is getting smaller in comparison to all the other roles that are emerging within the life of this community. And, and what I realized is that the Lord is, part of me growing as a leader is, is my own growing in meekness. And, and what that looks like is it's one thing, right? Because there was a point when it was like my voice was the only voice shaping what River House would become. Because, you know, I did everything. Most things. Most things. <laughs> And as my roles diminished, I mean, so greatly, uh, as far as even practically, but even spiritually, uh, the Lord's like, you can trust, you have, to, you have to trust me more that even though your role gets smaller and other roles.
roles are emerging and bigger, that you aren't the keeper of her identity. I am. And I will always use you because you have a father's voice in this community. But, but I'm also leading through others. And part of it is, is he was, he's, he's, he's actually having to move me into a more teachable place where though I was the pioneering voice of this community, I'm having to learn things simultaneously from other voices, from all of you, and we're actually growing this thing together. And, and I hope that conveys what I'm trying to articulate to you because it it's vulnerable for me. It, it, it's requiring more trust in my heart before God than it did five years ago. But I'm grateful because I want to be a learner and I want to be meek and I want us to be meek so that we can inherit the earth and see the kingdom come and get this whole kingdom thing with flesh and bone in our body. Amen. Yeah, so, Father, I thank you for the words that you're releasing into this house tonight. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence is here and that you are quickening with your conviction, God, with your spirit, with your presence. I just release, God, what, the, the, the ministry of the Spirit of God into this room. I, I just have a strong sense in my heart that God is convicting some of you of messes that you need to clean up. He, he's in, in, in some of you, it's just he's giving, he's releasing commandments right now. There's, there's places of conviction that are coming upon you. And conviction is not a bad thing. It is a joyous thing. But I, I just want you to just create some space right now for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Like, let him speak to you. Let him influence you. And then I, ex, and I exhort you to, to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit tonight. I exhort you to obey and see what happens. I feel like some of you have had, a, you've been living in insecurity over your relationship with the voice of God. And right now, there's conviction that's welling up inside of you. And I just, I just exhort you, obey the conviction. Obey the prompting. This is, this is the pathway to growing in your confidence in the voice of God. Yeah, so just rest and brood over this place, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I bless what you're doing. I thank you that you are the one who carries the meekness of Christ and deposits it within our heart. God, you are the only one capable, God, of changing the inner reality of our lives. And I just bless you to do it right now in this room. I just bless you to, to, to fall upon hearts in this room right now in the name of Jesus. Um, if there's anybody that you just, you're, you're sensing God is resting upon you, like maybe there's conviction or whatever it is, and I just, if you want to respond, I just invite, you can respond, you can come forward and you can kneel. I just, I, 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 as, as we respond to what God's doing, it's, it's like us acknowledging, like I acknowledge before you what you're doing right now. And I just bless you, spirit of holiness. Just bless what you're doing, God. You're working, you're working, you're working. You're working. You're working. I just take authority over the lie that you don't need anybody but God. If you are living in that, I just, in the name of Jesus, just break free of that bondage, that independent spirit that wants to sever you from true leadership of the spirit of God in your life. I just, just break it off. Just break it off. If there's something happening in your life, just come and, come and kneel. 
If God's just resting upon you, we're going to minister to you. We just don't want to miss what the Holy Spirit would do in a room like this. God, we thank you that it's not just word, but it's power. And that the power of God goes forth. God, that you alone have the power to make a heart meek. God, that you alone can influence. God, you can take a heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. And I just bless you to do that tonight. Holy Spirit. Just bless you to do that, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that the meek inherit the earth. And I just bless you. Just just open your heart before God. And I just speak blessing upon you tonight, church. I speak a Psalm 67 blessing over you, that the Lord bless you and be gracious to you and cause his face to shine upon you, that his ways will be known amongst the earth and his saving power will go forth amongst the nations. I pray that God will favor the meekness he finds in your heart to such a degree that it will shift this whole region because they will marvel at the goodness of God, at the wisdom of God revealed through your life and the blessing of God that flows forth from your life. I just bless you. I just pray the Lord bless you. I pray the Lord bless your finances. I pray the Lord bless your decisions. I pray the Lord bless your conversations. I pray the Lord bless your marriages, bless your parenting, bless your homes, bless your fields, bless you in the city, bless you in the countryside. I pray the blessing of God upon you. I pray that you will grow in favor with both God and man. I pray that he will open doors that no man will shut. I pray that he will move mountains to make a pathway for you to walk through it. I pray that he will turn impossibilities all upside down. I pray that he will turn things that have come against you and he will he will release a greater and opposite reaction, a release of life. I pray the Lord's blessing be upon you. I thank you, Lord, that you humble the proud, but you give grace to the humble, God. Release the favor, release the grace of heaven upon your church tonight. If you want to receive that, I just want you to stand. Just just stand up and just say, God, I want it. I receive it tonight. I humble myself before you and I position myself to receive the fullness of my inheritance. God, release inheritance from heaven upon your bride tonight, God. Remove, remove the dross. Remove the pride, God, and release inheritance upon this house, I pray in Jesus' name.